0: covenant keeping God God you ask all of us but in return we get all of you and God that's a good trade for us because you are so wonderful you're so majestic you're so powerful you're so good and God in and of ourselves we're none of those things so the love that you give us it demands our all God, what a small thing to give to experience you and to know you. God, I don't know how this week went for everybody. God, I know for me there were good spots and there were tough spots. There were ups and there were downs. There were questions and there were answers. God, it it was life. Life lived on this earth. And I don't know how everybody else's week was, but God, I'm so grateful that I get to come in here this morning and I get to worship you. And I get to hear from you. And God, I know you're everywhere. If I went to the highest heaven, I would find you there. And if I went to the deepest hell, you would still be there. And so it's not that your presence isn't everywhere, but God, we know that when we come together, your presence is here in such a special way. And so, God, I'm thankful that I get to experience your presence today. And, God, I would ask that we would just be able to tune out all the noise in our lives, all the worries, all the concerns, the heartaches, even the blessings that sometimes we get focused on instead of the one that blesses us. And, God, I just pray today that we could tune into your frequency. That we could hear from you in a special, special way. And God, you don't have to do that. You don't have to do anything because you're God. But I I know how you are, and I know how much you love us. And so, God, I just I believe that you're going to do something special here today. I pray that our cup, the cup of our heart, would be upturned, and we would be filled to the overflow. God. What you give us here this morning would just spill onto others. It would spill onto our families. It would spill into our workplaces. It would spill into our neighborhoods. Would you do that for us today, Lord? I know you will because you're good. And if we don't have a connection with you here today, it's not you; it's us. And so I pray, God, you would give us the strength, even on the backside of things God you would give us the strength to, uh, to connect with you we thank you for our worship team we thank you for our technical team we thank you for our children's team that's across the way ministering to our kids right now God we, we thank you for everybody our hospitality team we thank you for everybody here who uh, gives of themselves to make this place possible bless us all together I pray it's in Jesus name I ask these things because he's the one who loved us enough to give himself for us and together all of Rushwood said amen before you sit down I want you to greet at least five people can you do that for me this morning greet at least five people and then you may be seated All right, everybody. Thank you. Thank you so much. Welcome to Rushwood Church this morning. We are so privileged and honored that you chose to worship with us today. Those of you who are tuning in online, we'd like to welcome you as well. And those who will watch this later, uh, we we thank you so much for tuning in to what God is doing here through this church family. Uh, real quick I want to reiterate a couple of things Uh, we we talked about membership our yearly membership reaffirmation will take place tonight this is something that our network of churches the Wesleyan Church uh, decided to do in 2016 is to have a yearly membership reaffirmation just to make sure that we stay connected because sometimes as churches we have members on our roll that we don't see for a year or two years or three or four and so this is a way for us to stay connected and also to keep our records up to date and I like to use it as a chance to pass on information to you and so that's what's going to happen tonight in our senior life center at six o'clock we'd ask that you would come and you would just hang out with us and find out some kind of where the church is and and let me we're going to have a family talk if that's okay you do that within your family sometimes you sit down and say okay we need to have a family meeting that's what's going to happen tonight if you can't make it tonight we understand Uh, so we would ask that you would come Wednesday night immediately after life groups same place Senior life center uh, information and reaffirming your membership commitments and uh, it's very important that you be there and so I I would just love to see you tonight or Wednesday night I also want to reiterate and I've said this uh, a couple of times but next week is our fall family fun fest this is our big thing we do in the fall and it kinda started out originally we did back to church Sunday which is the thing that I think that was last week in a lot of churches and we have just kinda gravitated it's kinda moved later toward October as we have done this thing but we do this not only to bless you guys It's a great time as a church family it's a great time of fellowship um, But we also do this to give you a chance, an excuse to invite some new people to church. Because we think that's one of the ways that we can be a witness. We think that's part of our evangelism is if you will invite people to church, and if they find out that maybe this church isn't exactly what they have have in mind when they think of church, maybe some people would say, you know what? I like this place. I think I could listen to this guy preach. I think I could sing. This music that they sing, I think I could hang out for a while. And it's not so much that we want them to get connected to Rushwood, although we would love that. It's more that we want them to get connected with Jesus Christ. And so next week is an opportunity. You need to be inviting some people to come with you, especially folks that have young kids. The, we got a lot going on for kids. We got free food, and I've always heard if you feed them, they will come. And so we we have great food next week that's going to be free to the community. A lot of good stuff going on. My sermon will be tailored more toward those who maybe don't know Jesus and would like an or seeking an encounter with Him. And so, uh, just to let you know, I'm not going to bring out the pile driver next week. It's going to be more gentle. I'll do that to them later. But next week, get them here and just uh, just kind of give them an entry level into the gospel. But anyway, please invite folks, and we need you to be here. Okay, we need you to be here. This is one of our days where we kind of pump up this church and say you know what we're going into fall we're going into this period of of growth church growth reaching new people all the way to Christmas and so uh, we need you to be here but we need you to bring some folks with you if you can do that shake your head yes and if okay awesome so please do that for next week and we're just excited about that we're gonna have a little extra music our service may go just a little bit longer next week because we figure we're feeding you lunch you don't have to rush out of here and beat people to the chicken hut you can stay to stay next week and eat with us I usually say the Baptist to the chicken hut but I don't want to be offensive so I didn't say that this morning Um, anyway oh, I did I'm sorry Um, please be here next week we're gonna have a great time in the Lord and uh, maybe somebody will connect and get to know Jesus Christ I just want to thank you for letting me last week Uh, go to another church and preach. My friend Frankie Gentry, we've known Frankie, my wife and I, for many years. We actually took classes at John Wesley College together. C4, which is not the C4 we've talked about planning, but actually the ministry in town. Frankie used to be the youth pastor of C4, and he started a church plant in Archdale several years back. And Frankie just asked me, would you be willing to come one Sunday and just give them a different voice? And I said, of course, I'll be glad to do that. So I had such a great time hanging out with his ministry, seeing how they did things. And at the end of the service, we did not have a dry altar. We had several people come forward who wanted prayer, and they were talking to us about things going on in their lives. And we were able to pray over these folks. And it was just a wonderful time to be able to minister to another minister and share with another ministry. And so thank you guys that you allow me to do that from time to time. I really appreciate it. I do have another couple of pastors who've reached out and said hey would you come and speak at my church sometimes so that may happen again we won't tell you when you'll just be surprised when you get here um, but but that may happen again sometime so but thank you for allowing that and uh, did y'all see a different side of Jason Baker last week than you'd seen before okay Hey, we know it. We see it all the time. We talk about these things all the time. Jason's always the guy that laughs and cuts up, but he has a real serious side, and he has a a deep desire for Christians to live out their faith. And uh, so uh, over the last couple of weeks, man, I know we really gave it to you guys on some things, but every once in a while we need that. Every once in a while we need to say, you know what, and I'm all for positive sermons, and I think today will be more of the positive sermon type thing. I think you need a good mix, a good balance. When you come to Rushwood, you're not going to get all fluff and stuff every week. You're not going to get all positivity every week, but I'm not going to beat you over the head every week either. So it's kind of a mixture. Uh, God's Word is balanced. God's Word gives us some parts that are really uplifting, but there's other parts you read and it's kind of like, okay, I need to straighten up. I need to get my life together. We hope our ministry reflects the Word of God here. And so uh, that's just kind of how it's going to be. If that don't work for you, might be the wrong church for you because that's how we do things around here. We try to give you a good balance. Well, tomorrow is the first day of fall. Tomorrow is the first day of fall on the calendar. It's not going to feel like it. Oh, we got a picture up there. I'm going to tell you some of my favorite things about fall. Um, tomorrow is the first day of fall. I think it's going to be like in the 80s and 90s again next week, so it's not necessarily going to feel like the first day of fall but it is it's the first day of a new season I love fall I was born in the fall I don't know if that has anything to do with it but I love fall it is my favorite season of the year let me give you some reasons why I love the weather it's fat boy weather okay in the fall you know if you're a little more well insulated it feels better than it does in the summertime my wife's always like why don't you want to go outside and I'm like you weigh like 120 some pounds and i like, no, I'm good inside in the summertime where it's not so hot. I don't sweat all over myself. The mosquitoes don't bite me if I stay inside. But in the fall, I wake up and I go outside. I'm kind of like the bear that's been hibernating, except maybe in reverse. I get out and I enjoy the cooler weather. I love sp- I love football. Uh, my Panthers aren't doing so great. And my Tar Heels started good and then they kindly fell out. Anybody an Appalachian State fan? I mean, I got to congratulate you guys. You know, y'all, y'all pulled it off. But I think my Tar Heels are going to get better as time goes on under Mack Brown. But I love football. Uh, I love October baseball. My Braves, uh, one one they're going to be back in the playoffs again. And so my Braves haven't been that great for a long time, but they're getting better. Love college basketball. I shared with you one of my favorite college basketball pictures of all time. That is Danny Green dunking on Greg Paulus. I'll tell you a funny story about that picture real quick. This is for free. You don't you don't get charged the extra. But I remember that game when Danny Green dunked on Greg Paulus. I stood up and I was like, Yeah, woo! And I was all excited. And Aiden was just a little kid, and I was dancing. Yeah! And Aiden comes in behind me. He's like, Yeah, woo! And he had no clue what he was doing, but he enjoyed that dunk just as much as me. And I also gave you a picture of Tom Brady getting sacked, just because that's really our heart's desire. That's really what we all would like to see more of, uh, most of us anyway. I love fall food, pinto beans, collard greens, black-eyed peas, cornbread. I mean, that's good stuff. You ain't country if you don't like that. And I'm country, so I like that. And I also love Thanksgiving because more food, right? I mean, I love one of my favorite holidays. I just all around love fall. And you don't have to feel the same way as me, but maybe a little audience participation this morning, a little poll for you just to see who feels what way on this. How many of you, you would say that spring is your favorite season? How many of you are are spring people? Okay, I see a few hands going up. Yes, spring, I can get that one, a little more temperate. How many of you are summer people? You just love the summertime. I don't get you guys at all, but hey, that's okay. That's okay. How many of you are like me and you say you can't beat fall? You can't beat fall. Oh, I think we won. I think we won on that one. How many of you like winter the best? Okay, (laughs) a couple of. Blake is real excited about winter. I don't know why that is. I like like one good snow, and after that one good snow, I'm ready for for spring, summer, and fall to get here. That's kind of how I am about winter. But how many of you are glad that God designed different seasons? How many of you are glad that we have a variety of seasons? Well, this morning I want to give you something today. It's not a huge thing, but I don't know. I think it could have a huge impact on your life to get and to understand this. It's something spiritual that will impact you if you let it. Something I discovered probably in my late teens, probably my early twenties. Just like the earth has seasons, our lives have seasons. Our spiritual lives have seasons. There's change in our spiritual lives. They're not always the same. Another way of saying this is your lifetime has different times of life. It's not always the same. There's changes that go on. And so, as we're talking about the Bible's greatest hits, the book of Ecclesiastes tells us all about it. It tells us all about these seasons and the change of seasons. Um, the Bible has different genres of literature. You know the word, hopefully, from, from high school English, genre, which means a type of literature or a type of writing. It's a, it's a French word. I don't know French, but at least I know that word and can kind of pronounce it right in my southern dialect. But Ecclesiastes is part of the genre called wisdom literature. It's there to give us wisdom. It's there to help us have more, a, a better way to get through life along with Proverbs. Proverbs is wisdom literature. There are some of the Psalms that are wisdom literature. It's to give us a different perspective. It's to give us a better perspective on how to do life. Most scholars will tell you the book of Ecclesiastes was written by King Solomon in his later years. King Solomon was known as what? The wisest man who ever lived, which of course that's not true because Jesus Christ was the wisest man who ever lived. But Solomon did have a lot of wisdom among people who weren't God in the flesh. Solomon was very wise, but sometimes I question that because he had 300 wives and 700 girlfriends. And I'm not sure how a man can be to have 300 wives and 700 girlfriends. To have a 1,000 women in his life, man, ain't no dude can deal with that. But anyway, King Solomon did have some wisdom that he wanted to share. And in Ecclesiastes, he calls himself The teacher. calls himself the teacher. So when you read Ecclesiastes and you hear about the teacher, that's Solomon describing himself. Ecclesiastes starts off really pessimistically in the first two chapters. If you read it in the NIV translation, the first two chapters are going to say the word meaningless over and over and over. You're going to get tired of reading the word meaningless. Or if you read it in the KJV translation, it's going to say vanity. Vanity of vanities, all is vanity. That's the way that King Solomon puts things about how life is in this world. I could give you the southern translation of it. The southern translation would be something like, Ain't nothing worth a lick, y'all. Everything, everything is terrible. Everything is meaningless. Everything is vain. But then by the time we get to Ecclesiastes chapter 3, we see some hope start breaking through. See that in the Bible. You always see that. Even when the Bible has these tough parts and these really almost pessimistic parts, you'll read that and you'll start to get down, but all of a sudden, hope always breaks through. The light of hope always comes through the darkness. Even when the Bible is giving us something really realistic, hope breaks through and God starts to pick us up. And Ecclesiastes chapter 3 is like that. So let's read it together and today I'm gonna ask that we stand and we read this out loud together I don't always do that but I just feel like today would be a good day to do that so we're gonna read it off the screen together and uh, yeah God's gonna bless the reading of his word I really believe Ecclesiastes chapter 3 verses 1 through 11 on the count of three we're gonna go one two three go there is a time for everything A time to embrace and a time to refrain from embracing a time to search and a time to give up a time to keep and a time to throw away a time to tear and a time to mend a time to be silent and a time to speak a time to love and a time to hate a time for war and a time for peace what do workers gain from their toil I have seen the burden God has laid on the human race. He has made everything beautiful in its time. He has also set eternity in the human heart. Yet no one can fathom what God has done from beginning to end. Thank you for the reading of God's word. You may be seated. You guys sounded great. You sounded awesome on that. I love that. By the way, some of you may, as I read that, you may have had a little tune playing in the back of your head. I don't, I don't know. Those of you who like music from the 60s, but there was a group called The Birds, a folk rock group who actually set this to music to a song called Turn, Turn, Turn. If you like Forrest Gump, it was in the soundtrack. You may remember that. But actually, just a little bit of trivia for you. The, the only uh, the oldest lyrics to any number one rock and roll song actually came from Ecclesiastes chapter 3 and this uh, this these verses set to music I tried to get the worship team to do that song for you and they were not feeling it they're too young they, they, they weren't into it and so anyway uh, we, we didn't do that today but some of you may have heard that and I would sing it for you but I like for you to come back to church so um, anyway a little bit of trivia for you there so, question the question we want to answer, what does Ecclesiastes 3 teach us about the seasons of life what does Ecclesiastes chapter 3 teach us about the seasons of life I'm going to give you three points this morning number one the season of life that you're in is not permanent the season of life that you're in is is not permanent you notice as we read through that how things changed you notice as we read through that there was a season for this but then it changed a season for that but then it changed there's always going to be change in our lives and in our spiritual lives as well do you remember guys Do you remember when you first got saved remember when you first made that commitment to follow Jesus he called you responded your life was new if you're like me I remember when I got saved at eight years old it was like the world looked new to me it was like everything was made new at that point in time and it was just so exciting and it was it was just wonderful to walk with Jesus even at eight years old and I remember at 19 years old when I believe the Holy Spirit filled me in a special way and I answered the call in the ministry for weeks on end, for weeks on end, it was just like everything was so good. Everything was so good. It was just one of the best times of my life. But I hate to tell you, I haven't been able to always live in that season. Sometimes things have changed. I've had ups and I've had downs. I've had good times and I've had bad times. There have been days where I haven't been just riding around singing to "Love" and just praising God. There's been days that it hasn't gone that way. There have been some days I, I, I shouldn't have. But in my own human flesh, I've been upset at God for certain things that, that came into my life or certain things that were allowed. Seasons change is what I'm trying to tell you. We're, we get tricked into thinking that what is happening now will always happen. And that's just not true. It's just not true. If everything is great right now, and I hope it is for you, I hope you're living in a season of blessing. I hope you're living in a time where everything has started to come together for you. I hope you're living in a time where it's just like, God, you couldn't get any better to me. Everything's coming together. You're blessing my home. You're blessing my family. You're blessing my marriage. You're blessing my job. God, you're just, God, you're just so good to me. I hope you're living in that time. Those are great times when you can live in that, when you can live in a season that's just a blessed season. But I hate to tell you that won't last. That won't last. If you're in a season of blessing in this life, that is not going to last on and on. Some kind of hardship is going to come. Something's going to try your patience. Something is going to come against you. There's, there's going to be some sort of attack or there's going to be some sort of thing, maybe a mistake you make. I, I don't know what it might be, but those good times won't always stay good. Those very blessed times won't always stay at the very peak of everything. Things will eventually change on the flip side of that though if, it's, if things are going terribly for you and have you ever had those seasons in your life maybe you're living I, ho- I hope you're not but you might be where it seems like everything is going wrong you're trying so hard you're trying to serve the Lord you're trying to walk with him you're trying to give him your all and, and you're and you just you're giving your all and it seems like everything is coming against you everything is going wrong the tire goes flat the battery dies on the car the sink starts to leak, I don't know, what, what else, the television goes out, I mean, whatever, you just have one thing after another. I mean, I was talking to one of our guys this week uh, that, that's, that's a volunteer staff member here, and he told me, he said, man, I just feel like something's coming. I just feel like, you know, there, there's something on the edge there that, that, that is it's kind of, that, that something bad is coming, and he got in touch with me later in the week, and he said, well, I, I got laid off of my job. I felt like something was coming and things were going. He was just talking about how good things were, how, how his family was being blessed, and then all of a sudden they cut ten positions, and his is one of them. I mean, if you're, if you're, you, we've all experienced it, is what I'm trying to say to you this morning. We all know kind of how that is. But here's the good news. If you're in bad times, those aren't going to last either. If you're in bad times, you will eventually get out of those bad times. I remember when I was in high school, I don't remember the guy's name. I don't remember a whole lot about him, but we had a guy come in, and and a lot of times what churches will do is bring in a motivational speaker to a school system, to a school and during the day they'll they'll give a positive message to the kids they'll talk about anti-drug or or anti-violence or anti-bullying or whatever and then at night they would bring that speaker back to a church around town hoping the kids would come and listen to that speaker and they would share Jesus with them and so we had when I was at Ashborough High School I think I was my senior year It was either senior or junior I can't remember cause it's been a minute since that happened but anyway they brought this guy in and I remember him Talking about, he was, he was on a roller coaster. By the way, our youth just went to Carowinds yesterday. Any youth here have a good time going to Carowinds yesterday? Uh, some good stuff happened there. They, they met a Christian comedian, all sorts of good stuff. But Anyway, this guy was talking about being on a roller coaster, and he said he was doing one of those big loop-de-loops. Now, guys, when I was like 19 years old, I'd ride roller coasters all day long. I loved it. I'd get off of it, and if there wasn't a line, I'd get right back on it. I enjoyed roller coasters, but I, the last time I went, I can't remember, I was probably around 30. I went to Carowinds, and I tried it that time, and I was like, oh, that don't feel the same as it did when I was 19. Starting to get queasy, walking around, not I'm kind of like, you know what? I think I'm good. I think my roller coaster days are over. But anyway, this dude speaking to us, he was a big guy. I mean, I'm a big guy, but he was a big guy. And he talked about how he was in the middle of one of those loops on the very upside down. He was hanging upside down, and the roller coaster stopped. The thing broke. And he said, here I am, the top of one of these, I don't know, 70-foot loops or whatever. And he said, I'm hanging upside down. The car is here. And he said, I'm hanging right here. He said, and like I said, he was kind of a big guy. I still remember him saying this. He said, my my belly button was trying to put a hickey on my forehead. I remember him saying that still. He said, I was stuck. And he talked about how they were stuck up there for like literally an hour and a half. They were stuck upside down. And finally they had to get the fire department with with this huge ladder on a truck and, and get up there and get these folks down because they could not get the roller coaster to work again but I still remember him saying this he said what if in the middle of that I had found a way to get loose and I had just fallen to my death I couldn't wait anymore I was tired of the ride being broken I just let go and I just fallen to my death they were coming to rescue me he said and eventually they were going to fix the roller coaster he said but what if I had given up before that happened he said I would have never gotten to experience all the good things that have happened ever since and I remember him saying this still from like my high school days I remember this guy saying the ride will eventually get fixed you have to hang on the ride will eventually get fixed you have to hang on guys it's coming to the news a couple of times lately there was a prominent pastor who was over mental health in his church he was basically a soul care pastor taking care of the mental health of the congregants he did a, a funeral for a lady who had committed suicide in in the like around noon and then that night this pastor 30 years old went home and killed himself Okay, left behind a wife and kids left this world behind he'd been dealing with depression and by the way we're, our next series is going to be on overcoming some things overcoming fear overcoming anxiety overcoming depression I want you to know that depression's a real thing Okay? It's a real thing, guys. And just because you're a Christian doesn't mean you're immune from it. Okay? Uh, sometimes we just say, well, we we'll just be an overcomer in the Lord, and it's just so easy. It's not easy, y'all. It's not easy. If you look at some of the saints of God all the way through the Bible, they got depressed, especially the prophets. These guys who are bold and they're out there preaching God's Word, but they went into seasons of depression. I think about Jeremiah. They called him the weeping prophet. The weeping prophet, because this guy was just kind of in a state of of constant brokenness over his culture and everything. And if you study church history, you'll find out that some of the greatest pastors and preachers of all time were people who were depressed. But they didn't give in. We can't give in. We have to hold on. And I just want to encourage you today, if that's even a thought in your mind, that this world would be better off without me and I'm just going to leave and I'm just going to go on, don't, don't get off the ride. The ride will eventually get fixed, guys. Eventually get back right. Don't get off the ride. God's eventually going to fix things, and that season is eventually going to end. I didn't really understand it until I lived it. My wife, and I think she would be very upfront with you about this, my wife deals with anxiety and depression and has for a long time, and I never really understood that until I went through it myself. But God fixed it. If you'll hang in there, if you'll keep walking with God, eventually the ride will get fixed. Eventually he'll bring you out of that. Eventually that season will come to an end. So don't trick yourself and don't let the devil trick you into thinking it's permanent. Because the season you're in, whether it's good or bad, is not permanent. Eventually things will change. Number two, different seasons of life demand different activities. Different seasons of life demand different activities. It's amazing Ecclesiastes puts things together that don't seem to go together. They seem to be total opposites. It says there's a time to be born and a time to die. A time to be born and a time to die. It talks about there being a time to plant and a time to uproot. So there's a time to put seed in the ground. There's a time to harvest. There's a time to remove. There's a time to build up and there's a time to tear down. Some of us might need to tear down a wall that we've built up between ourselves and somebody else. Or maybe we've allowed Satan or the world to to build that up. We might need to tear that down. But there's a time in your life where maybe abuse or, or, or anger or something else, you have to have that wall up for protection for just a little while. There are different seasons. There are opposite seasons. There's opposite actions that take place in these seasons. It's not that these things are necessarily right or wrong in and of themselves but they have to be done at the right time and in the right season, or they don't work. You can do, listen to this, tune in on this, you can do a right thing at the wrong time, and it ends up being wrong. Amen? You can do the right thing at the wrong time, and it ends up being wrong. There are times in my life I might need to blow my nose. But if I was at tea with the Queen of England, that would probably not be the proper time to blow my nose. It's like one pastor I heard one time, he said, that went over like a booger in the Queen's teacup. Okay, that would not be the right time. That would not be the right time to blow my nose. Maybe it's a crude example, but it's kind of fun. Likewise, there are things that we do that are more effective in certain seasons. Let me give you an example. When you are young, you really need to spend some time working on yourself and developing yourself. When you are young, young people, youth, listen to me, you need to spend some time working on yourself. That's, that's one of the reasons my kids, I mean, this is just my rule, my household rule. My kids aren't going to be dating anybody, dating, whatever. They're not going to be doing that until they're at least 16 years old. Why? Because they need some time to develop themselves. They don't need to be doing adult things when they're still a kid. They need some time to to grow up for themselves. So I've already said, look, y'all ain't dating until you're 16, and then I'm going to be very superintendent over that. I'm going to be watching over that. Yeah, praise the Lord. That's a good place for it. Young people, you need time to work on yourself. Here's some things young people can work on. Young people, work on your daily habits. Work on getting into routines because routines and rhythms drive life forward. There's a rhythm that I think is real important. Going to church every Sunday. I think that's real important, man. That's, that's just how I was brought up. It's how I, 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 It was a rhythm that was established in my life at a very early age, and that's how it is. Now, I'm not saying I go to church every single Sunday. I might be out of town. I, I, I might be on a vacation or something like that, but I'd say like, 50 out of 52 weeks in, I know you say, well, you're the pastor, you have to be there. If I wasn't the pastor, if I wasn't the pastor, that's a rhythm that I'm going to build into my life. I'm going to make it a priority. Above everything else, on Sunday morning, I'm going to make it a priority to come together with God's people and to worship. Some of you guys, that might be a good rhythm to build in. You come to church some, you're know, you an infrequent attender, but you, you come some, but to be there every week because it builds and it grows and that rhythm does something special in fact when you come to church on Sunday morning Sunday being the first day of the week it kinda sets the tone for the rest of the week you're saying God is over God is in control of my week I'm going to give him the first fruits and he's going to bless the rest so I didn't want to camp out there this morning very long but if you establish your daily habits and your weekly habits young people that's really important when you're young work on the talents that God has given you young people if God has blessed you with some talents develop those if you will develop them when you're young you'll be able to use them for the rest of your life my mom has a talent like she played a couple of weeks ago she played the piano for us my mom has a talent for doing that and she developed it at a young age and by 16 years of age she was playing piano for this very church And so she's been able to bless people time and time again over the years with her musical talent. She still plays a lot of times for funerals. And once in a while, she'll be asked to play at a wedding or or whatever. And sometimes she'll even guest for us on a Sunday morning. She developed that when she was young. She had that talent, but she didn't just let it go to the wayside. She developed it. And so she's been able to use it for the rest of her life. What's your talent, young people? Develop those talents. Work on your knowledge base the more you know it's good to have a a deep base of knowledge a deep base of understanding work on your people skills I know this world is divided up into introverts and extroverts I'm an introvert by nature okay I, I can keep to myself I can do the by myself thing all day long and twice on Sunday I'm good at it but I had to force myself to get better with people and talk with people by the way if you if you meet me and you think man Brent is just Stuck up? He's just arrogant. It's not that. Okay. It takes me a while to get used to people. It takes me a while to get to know people. And once once I get to know them, man, then we're good. But I just have that sort of personality. There's some people. It's like as soon as they meet a stranger, hi. You know, they're just real happy about it. I ain't like that. Okay. Not everybody is wired up that way. But young people work on your people skills, and that will carry you throughout your life. And by the way, I just say if you're an introvert. Push yourself a little bit. I have to push myself all the time. It's not natural for me to just go up and talk to everybody, but push yourself a little bit, and you'll get better at it. Some of you who are extroverts, hold yourself back. Hold yourself back a little bit. We've heard it, okay? We're good. You can hold yourself back now. Don't look at anybody right now. They might, might, yeah, they might get mad at you. Should have said that first. All right. Number five, work on growing your faith. Work on growing your faith, young people work on growing your faith work on getting a deeper faith that will carry you through your life work on knowing the Bible work on learning some of the history of the church work work on worshiping and becoming a person of worship work on all of that young folks it will carry you through your life set yourself up for success because those actions done early on will carry you all the way through it's a season for growth it's a season for development And look, I'm not saying that when you're older that you can't keep growing. We should grow all the way until the Lord takes us into glory, okay? I'm not saying that. But I don't think it should be as much of your focus at an older age to keep developing yourself. Hopefully by that age you're developed. Hopefully you've learned things. Hopefully you've grown as a person. When you become older, our elders, that's a time for sharing with younger people who are working on themselves. It's a time for passing on. It's a time for leaving behind. It's a time for mentorship. It's a time for passing on wisdom to the next generation. I heard one evangelist said that he went to a church and he said it was all older people. And he said he went to the church for a revival and he said they wanted to have the revival at 4 p.m. because they wanted to get home before dark and they wanted to make sure. So obviously they weren't reaching very many people in the community. And the evangelist said, I didn't say this, he said that. They didn't need a revival, what they needed was a nap. By the time you get to a certain age, hopefully you're developed. Hopefully you've learned things. Hopefully you've grown. Some people didn't like that, but it's okay. Don't make it any less true. Different activities fit different seasons of our life. We have to have wisdom to apply different activities to different seasons. Number three, when this season of your life is gone, you won't get it back. So don't waste it when this season of your life is gone you won't get it back so don't waste it in 1990 there was a country singer a guy named Billy Dean anybody remember Billy Dean But seen by a country fan remember this guy kinda had long hair after it was fashionable but anyway he released a country song which became the country song of the year 1990. and the name of the song was only here for a little while and it talked about a man going to a friend's funeral and as he's sitting in the funeral he's reflecting on life he's reflecting on the brevity of life and the season in which he was in So I just thought I'd share the lyrics with you some of you may know this song some of you may not but the lyrics I think are are powerful he said saying today I stood singing songs and saying amen saying goodbye to an old friend who seemed so young he spent his life working hard to chase a dollar putting off until tomorrow the things he should have done A lot of people in the graveyard who never had a connection with their family never had a connection with their church their kids never really got to know them because they were so focused on working hard and making that dollar he goes on he said made me start to think what's the hurry Why they're running I don't like what I'm becoming gonna change my style take my time and not take it all for granted because we're only here for a little while. That's what the brother of Jesus, James, said in his book. He said, Life is a vapor. It's like when you go outside on a cold morning as the fall comes on and it turns colder. You're going to go outside and you're going to breathe and you'll see your breath and then it's gone. And James, the brother of Jesus, said Life is like that. Life on this earth is like that. It's short. It's here today, it's gone tomorrow. He the chorus says, gonna hold who needs holding. Mend what needs mending, walk what needs walking, though it means an extra mile. Pray what needs praying, say what needs saying, because we're only here for a little while. Guys, life is short. Life is short. The season of life is passing right now. Right now, every second. We're a second closer to each and every one of us. We're a second closer to eternity. There are windows in life that stay open for a little while, but then they slowly shut. And when those windows close, they will never, ever open again. There are windows in time. I'll give you an example from my life. When, when my son Liam was born, Liam is 10 years old, he's almost 11 years old now, but I was working, I was trying to develop my life. I was working full-time as a middle school teacher. I was going to seminary at nights. I had taken on a small church as a part-time pastor. I had a lot going on when that child was little. And so from the time he was born until the time where in about 2010, I started to really make some changes and started to ease out of some of what I was doing. I'll be honest with you. I don't remember a lot of his first two years. I was so busy. I was running here I was running there and it wasn't bad stuff y'all I was teaching kids I was I was uh, pastoring a small church that needed help I was studying so I could be a good pastor for you guys eventually I mean I was doing all these good things but that was a window in my life that was slowly closing and I can never get that time back I have some memories but I don't have as many memories with him as a kid as I do with my other children in their early days now we we have a good time now we're close he's my buddy we do things together and I think in a sense we've made up for lost time but there was something that was lost there that I will never get back that window closed that season ended and I will never get another chance at it that's one example and that hurts a little bit to actually stop and realize that young people next month not next month two months from now I turned 40. That's that's a big mark in my life. That's a a milestone in my life. I turned 40 at the end of November. And it seems like one day I was 20, and then I woke up the next day and I was 30. And then all of a sudden, here I am, and I'm about to turn 40 years old. And I, I think that I've spent the first 39 years of my life in a good way. I really do. I don't have a ton of regrets about the way that I've spent my life but it's kind of sobering because statistically speaking if I can say that word statistically speaking I'm more than halfway through my life they call it over the hill for a reason and so I'm looking back and I'm thinking what have I done what do I have left to do it's just amazing that the seasons have moved so quickly and the windows have shut so quickly and here I am looking at 40 years of age and thinking God what what do you have for me what are we going to do together And for the first 39 years of my life, I hope I've spent it well. I believe I've spent it well. But I do know I'll never get that back. I don't know where you are in your life, but what's passed behind is already gone. That water under the bridge, you can't get that water back. It's already gone. There are seasons that pass by. There are seasons that leave us behind. And so when this season of your life is gone, know that you're not going to get it back. So don't waste it you need to spend it well there's one more season I want to talk to you about in closing there's a season of salvation in our lives there's a season where we can be saved there's a season where we can come to know God there's a season where we can be redeemed of our sins and forgiven of our sins and we can start a walk with Jesus Christ that will last for the rest of our lives there's a window to that as well we don't always talk about that. We assume that we, it's always there, that there's always an opportunity, that we'll always be able to get saved, that we'll always be able to. And I believe some people kind of have this idea of, well, I'll live wild for a while. I'll live without God for a while, and eventually I'll settle down, and I'll get saved, and I'll get things right with God. But, y'all, it's a season, and it's a season that passes. It's a season that once it gets past, you'll never get it back. The Bible doesn't teach us that we can just get saved whenever we want to. It teaches that the Holy Spirit has to draw you. As A.W. Tozer said, God is always first. God's Holy Spirit has to work on your heart. He has to draw you. Now, I don't think that means you're automatically going to be saved as He's drawing you and as He's leading you, but it's a time when the waters are troubled. It's a time where you can be saved. It's a time where you can repent and you can live for God, but it's a season that eventually will pass. The Bible teaches us in Genesis 6, God's Spirit will not always strive with man. Y'all, it's a sobering reality, reality to think this, but there will be a moment in your life which will be the last time the Holy Spirit draws you. There will be a last time. There will be a moment that passes. and Now, you say, well, what about the thief on the cross? You know, the thief on the cross got saved the very last minute he was dying on the cross and he came to Jesus and I heard a pastor say this and I thought it was a brilliant way to put it he said there is one instance in the Bible of somebody getting saved right at the very end and he said that's there to give us hope but he said there's only one to get to help us understand that that's not the normal way that things happen that's not you can't assume that you can't presume that you might not be able to see death coming You might not be able to see the end coming. This morning, right now, may be your last chance to get right with God. I hope it's not. I pray that it's not. But it it might be. But reality is, for each and every one of us, there will be a last chance. There will be a last time that you're drawn. There will be a last time that the Holy Spirit works with you. And if you miss that last time, that window will close and you will not get another opportunity. One of the saddest verses in the Bible comes from that prophet Jeremiah that I mentioned earlier. It's Jeremiah chapter 8 and verse 20 says, The harvest is past, the summer has ended, and we are not saved. The harvest is past, the summer is ended, and we are not saved. I pray that none of you ever has to say that. I pray that you never have to say the season where God was working on my heart, the season where he was drawing me, that is past, it's ended, I'm not saved, and it's, that's just it for me. I'm done. I hope that when you have that season, when you have that time, when you have the time that God has appointed, where, where God has ordained to draw you, that you will accept the gift that Jesus Christ offers you. I like what 2 Corinthians chapter 6 and verse 2 says. It says, today is the day of salvation today is the day of salvation this day could be your day of salvation september 22nd 2019 could be the day that you get saved and look i want i want you to understand something coming to church is not going to save you it's a good thing to come to church i'm not putting you down for coming to church but coming to church will not save you you can be on the membership we're having a membership meeting tonight you can be on the membership role of this church and that will not save you there's a role up there that's more important i hope your name's on that i hope your name's written in the lamb's book of life that's where you know that you're saved not because you're on the role of rushwood or some other church it's just it doesn't work that way you can have a christian family history and that won't save you mom and dad can be the best people in the world that won't save you grandma and grandpa teach Sunday school and lead the choir that won't save you the only thing that will save you is coming to know Jesus Christ surrendering your life to him letting the Holy Spirit take up residence in your heart and life repenting of your sins that's what will save you and I gotta believe if I'm preaching this way this morning God laid this on my heart for a reason I've got to believe that there's somebody here who needs Jesus that today is your day of salvation that you won't have to say that it's all ended the time is past, and we're not saved you can say my name is written down my name is written down I have made my decision I have decided to follow Jesus I'm gonna follow him now and I'm gonna follow him for the rest of my life because here's the gospel in a nutshell guys we're broken we're messed up we're dead in our sins and trespasses we are separated from God because of what we have done but God loved us so much He sent His only begotten Son that whosoever believes in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. It's very simple. Repent of your sins. Repent of your sins. Put your life in His hand. And we're about to take the Lord's Supper together. We're about to take communion together. And I always say this. This is a family meal. Okay? You need to be part of the family to take this meal. It's not that we're trying to ostracize anybody or push anybody out, but... This is for those who know God. This is for those who have been saved through Jesus Christ. This is a family meal for Christians who who have made that decision. But today can be your day of decision. Maybe you've been in church. Maybe you can sing all the hymns and sing all the songs. And maybe you know all the Bible stories and you've got all that down pat. But maybe you've never made that decision to follow Jesus. Or maybe you've never made it public because I believe that we're supposed to make it public when we come to Jesus Christ and we're supposed to speak our testimony I believe there's a power behind that maybe you've never made that decision but today this taking communion today could be your first act as a Christian it could be the first thing you do because the great thing about our God is he invites us to the table it's not a closed off table it's not a table where we say only this select few can come no any who come to Jesus Christ any who know him can come to the table and be part of this family meal so I'm just going to ask you this morning is today the day of salvation for somebody is there somebody here who would say I need Jesus Christ as my Savior I don't understand it all at this point but I know that I need him I need I know that I need to put my life in his hands I know this is the season for me and I want to be saved I'm just going to ask you real quick we're not going to take a lot of time here because we don't have a lot of time but could you just bow your head and close your eyes for just a second and I'm not going to call you up and I'm not going to embarrass you but is there anybody here who would say I need to make my decision today today is a day of my salvation I want to put my life in the hands of Jesus Christ I want to turn away from my sins and turn toward the life that he offers the life that he showed when he rose out of that tomb like we sang earlier if he walked out of the tomb we're walking too we can walk in him and in his power Every head bowed, every eye closed. Is there anybody here who would just raise your hand and say, I need to make that decision today? I need to decide. I want to make that decision. I see one hand. Is there anybody else who would say, I want to to know Jesus? I want to know him. Today is my day of salvation. I see another hand going up. Is there anybody else who would say, I want to make that decision today? I see other hands going up. I see other hands going up. Look, you'll never regret it, y'all. You know, you can put your hands down and y'all can look up now. I didn't get an exact count, guys, but there are four or five people who raised their hand and said, I need Jesus. I want to make Him the Savior of my life today. (laughs) Amen. Look, if they repent of their sins, if they ask Jesus to come into their heart and life and dwell in their life, then, then they're part of the family, and we get to celebrate today as family together. The best decision you could ever make is the decision to follow Jesus Christ. So I'm going to ask the guys that are helping me uh, to serve today. We have several of our pastors and ministerial students who are out today, so I'm not sure exactly what this is going to look like. But those of you who I've talked to about helping me, if you guys could come on up into place before we take this family meal together. Guys, as we take communion, it reminds us of some things one of the things it reminds us of is that Jesus laid his life down for us the bread signifies his body the blood uh, the, the juice the wine signifies his blood that was shed for us they're separate because his blood was separated from his body his blood was shed for us on the cross to redeem us from our sins and so as often as we do this we're supposed to remember him we're supposed to remember the sacrifice that Jesus made for us. It also reminds us when we take this meal that this is a family meal and we are family together. It doesn't matter if you're part of Rushwood today, if you're part of another church, a guest here as our guest today, we're so glad that you're here. If you know Jesus Christ, we're family. And so we have family that's together here this morning, but we have family that's worshiping down the street this way, and we have family that's worshiping down the street this way, and we have family that have already gone on and they're in glory. But this reminds us that we're all one family. There's only one church. There's only one church, and we are together as a family today. And we're told to do this until Jesus returns. And so that reminds us there is a day where Jesus is going to return, and he's going to set all things right. He's going to fix all the problems. He's going to rule over this world and we're not going to have any more sin, any more death, any more sorrow, any more pain. There's a day that Christ is going to return. And if you're a Christian, you have to believe that. Just as he left, he's coming back again. And we're looking forward, so forward to that day. But before we come today, the Bible teaches us that we're supposed to search our hearts. We're supposed to make sure our hearts are clear. We're supposed to, if we have anything against somebody else, then we need to get our heart right on that. If we have any unconfessed sin in our life, then we need to confess that to the Father. I'm not a priest. You don't have to confess to me. You confess to God through Jesus Christ and clear that up. If you have anger at anybody, if you have something against your brother or your sister, you need to let that go. Before you come to this table, we want to come in a right way. We want to come in the right spirit. And when you come, guys, we don't believe that you're just going to come and this is just a dead symbol. We don't believe that in this church. We believe there's actually a grace that takes place. Not, now, if you come up and you're not saved, this is not going to save you. That's not what I'm preaching here this morning. But if you come up and you need strength to carry on, maybe you're going through a tough time in your life, if you need a, a communion with God, that's what this is all about. This is about bringing us close to the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit here today and so we're just gonna take a minute they're going to continue to play music from the booth back there As but I just want us to take some time and reflect I want us to take some time and just just ask God to show us if there's any wicked way in us let's ask that God would point that out and we confess that sin and he cleans us up and he makes us whiter than snow that's how good he is if we'll just confess our sins he'll forgive us our sins and he'll cleanse us from all unrighteousness So before you come today, we're going to ask that you reflect, and we're going to ask that you seek God. Now as you come today, I'm going to ask that these two center sections, if you will move this way and the sections on the end, if you will move that way, so we end up coming down this aisle and this aisle, okay? And then if you will go the opposite way you came and return to your seats after we take communion together. We're also going to have a couple of serving teams here. So as you see one that's open, if you'll please go to the next serving team that's open that will expedite this process. But let's take a little bit of time to reflect, a little bit of time to pray, a little bit of time to seek God's face here this morning. And now, Father, we thank you for the body of Jesus Christ that was broken for us. We thank you for the blood of the new covenant that was shed for us on the cross. We thank you that that blood covers all our sins and that we can be redeemed and we can be set free. God, as we take this meal together, Lord, I just pray that you would speak that truth to us again, that it's not us. We're not saved by our own merit, God. We are saved by the merit of Jesus Christ, by what he did for us. It's by grace through faith. Thank you for faith. Thank you for grace. Thank you for mercy. Thank you for this meal that we take together. We love you, God, and we praise you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We will do this through the process of intinction, which means... When you come, if you will take a small piece of the bread that's presented to you, and if you will dip that bread into the juice, and after that you, you can partake as soon as you've done that. So I would like to invite you to come now to the table of the Lord, and let's experience communion together. Please come. now father we thank you for your goodness to us we thank you that as we commune with you today that's a prophetic image of the fact that through jesus we will commune with you forever thank you for your grace to us in jesus name we pray amen please stand with us and let's worship together this morning Guys, when we, uh, when we take communion, you know that I'm a, a holiness guy. I believe that we're supposed to be set apart. I believe that we're supposed to live what the Bible teaches, what Jesus says. I don't like the idea of living a sinful life and just trying to put God's stamp of approval on it. But when we take communion, I'm always reminded how much I need God's grace. No matter how I'm built up in holiness through the power of the Holy Spirit, I still, in this world, need God's grace. And I'm always reminded of that. And I hope that you are reminded of something like that today as well. Let's pray together. God, thank you for your grace. Thank you for your goodness to us. God, would you help us this week to invite somebody to come back with us next week? We're going to have a big old celebration of who you are and a celebration of what your church is, who we are, who we're called to be. So would you help us with that this week? But God, we just love you. We thank you for your presence here today. Go with us. Help us to look more like Jesus. It's in his name we pray these things. And Rushwood said together, amen. I love you and there's nothing you can do about it. Have a great week. We'll see you Wednesday night. We'll see you next Sunday morning. You are dispersed.